and welcome to another episode of Sacred Cinema here on 2XX 98.3 FM. I'm your host for the next half an hour, Jimmy Bernasconi, and this week's episode is entitled College Boys. Yes, I'd like to give a big thank you to one of our uh, loyal listeners uh, who got in contact with me and requested that we chat about uh, two of the films we're going to talk about today. Yes, all of the films uh, center on a protagonist who happens to be male in all three of them, or a couple of men, I should say, uh, who for one reason or another end up going back to college. And obviously on this show, Sacred Cinema, which is all about unpacking some of the more conceptual abstract elements of film and, and trying to use them uh, to see what kind of insights they can provide about life and the, and the lives we live and ourselves and the people around us. We're going to see, is there some kind of metaphorical value to these story arcs where adult men go back to college? Uh, these man-children, uh, you might say, go back. They're all about that sort of thing. You know, we've talked about this a lot on the shows, a lot of films that unpack this idea of, you know, adults growing up uh, and then sort of lamenting the past, what they had in their youth. Uh, there's plenty of films that do it. American American Beauty does it, all three of these films do it, and many other films uh, do that sort of thing. Um, uh, but, but before we uh, before we continue with the actual films themselves, I, I, do, I do think it's worth actually unpacking why, why college itself is, is, usu- is usually the setting of this sort of thing. So I think the first thing to say about college is it is that, it is that beautiful time, and, so, and I think the reason we, have, we all have so much nostalgia about our college days, and, and as someone who did go to university, I, I, I mean, I'm only 28, but I already feel uh, great. Oh, no, am I 28 or 27? 27, um, I, I, I can already feel, you know, a sense of nostalgia for my time at university. And uh, I think a big part of it is that obviously, you know, in high school, you're in, the, you're in the imprisonment of school. And then after that, after college, after university, you know, you're in the imprisonment of, of you know, responsibility. College is sort of that only time in your life. And they say this in a lot of the times. Where, where you, in, in the films we're going to talk about, it's kind of the only time in your life where you really kind of have this sort of sense of freedom that you could really do anything. And as they say in one of the films, you know, it's a bit of a corny line, but it is true. It is a feeling where anything is possible. You could do this major, you could do this degree, you could transfer, you could get really good marks, you could make friends with the right people. You kind of do feel very empowered to be a very big deal. And also, you know, during that time, everyone's young, everyone's sexy, everyone's sort of learning about who they are. Everyone's a bit carefree, you're going out a lot. It's a very fun time. There is also another aspect that I think is fleshed out really well in, in all these films. And they are American. I think American universities probably do this really well. But it's a very inspiring time. It's a time where, different to high school, where you sort of learn like a syllabus and you learn, you know, To Kill a Mockingbird, blah, blah, blah. This is the kind of time where your mind gets blown a lot. Like, I remember sitting in lectures. I still remember to this day, like, moments in lectures where I was like, Oh my God, that's true. Oh my, I never thought about things like that. That's and, and you sort of become really much, much smarter in very, very small periods of time. You learn about different, you know, philosophers and different thinkers and, and different, all sorts of different things, especially if you do something in the humanities and social sciences and things like that, which, which I did and, and the people in the film, uh, the films we're going to talk about did as well. So I think there's this element of teachers and students 
at college, which is it's, which is different to in, in school or in work with a boss and a worker. It's a time where you, you really start to um, become elevated in terms of your understanding of the world around you. And it, it's more of a time of inquiry. And you're learning about things that affect you as an individual person, not just society at large, not just, you know, calculus. I mean, some people do study calculus in university. But but I think that's a big part of it, that, that, that what you're taught uh, are almost like life lessons. They're things that are going to inform uh, how you put one foot in front of the other rather than how to do an exam. That's not the same for everyone, but there was definitely some mind-blowing moments for me, myself, and the characters in these films. But what are the films? Uh, well, we're going to actually talk about, there's going to be this kind of interesting life cycle. We're going to talk about like these really classic sort of boyish man-children in the first film, and then we're going to move on to someone who's sort of got their life a bit more together but still laments their college days. And then we're going to finish off with a guy sort of a bit later in life, and he's actually guiding his child who's sort of about to go to college himself. So we're kind of going to do the whole life cycle today, and it's also going to be in chronological order, which I think is kind of neat. But the first one we're going to do, of course, is Todd Phillips' 2003 uh, comedy, Old School. Uh, we're going to be brief with that one, because it's obviously not particularly highbrow, even though I hate that term. Um, but I think there's, there's an important point to make about that one. We're then going to move on to Josh Radnor's 2012 film, Liberal Arts, and then we're going to finish off with Mike White's uh, film starring... Uh, ben Stiller from 2017, and that would be Brad's status. But let's kick things off now with Old School uh, from 2003. So uh, this, the premise of this film is... I've seen this movie so many times. I don't even think I, I still don't... When I rewatched it this week, I sat there intently trying to figure out how the logistics of this film work. And I'm going to tell you this, dear listener, I still don't get what it is, but I think as far as I can tell, Luke Wilson, Vince Vaughn, Will Ferrell, right? I think Luke Wilson buys the house, but it's technically on, it's like, it's like within the territory or within the per, the perimeter of this, of this university. And in order to keep, ownership of the house they have to prove that it's affiliated with the university so it has to be a fraternity but they get people who aren't students of the university so they get old guys and random dudes and they've got to sort of they throw all these parties and obviously there's lots of hijinks and hilarity ensues because there's a bunch of grown men acting like frat boys um now you might be asking look why are you talking about this movie this isn't a particularly interesting film it's not cinema blah 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 and look we do this every now and then when we talk about um kind of like a blockbustery um you know most sometimes we've got like a big budget big big budget action film or a bonehead comedy like this one because it's interesting i think when we talk about art or media of any kind it's always good to remember you know what was making money at a certain time i.e uh what got the culture going what was appealing to the masses this film had a budget of about 24 million dollars ended up making 86.7 million dollars so it was obviously a success it made a lot of people a lot of money um you know there's some pretty um iconic performances particularly from will ferrell and vince vaughn and then luke wilson of course um but th this was a film that definitely captured the attention and uh, of the population in 2003 and remains to do so in a way so i suppose that the basic thing that we can draw from this film is that it definitely plays into the allure of youth or at least the allure of um that is it adolescence or that, that those early adult years 18 to 21 where you kind of you know all those things i said before but I think what's really important to sort of mention when we talk about this film and films of this era is that 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 allure that youth has that 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 tempting um, gravity gravity uh, that, that 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 sort of that 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 frat boy everyone you know a big kegger girls gone wild that that 
time in people's life. Uh, I think we felt that collectively as a population. So if you go back um, through, you know, the, the popular films from like the late 90s through the early 2000s and, and all the way up to 2009 with a film like Fired Up, which is another personal favorite. It seemed that the, the not even just America, but just like the, the world or at least the Western world kind of had this obsession with going back to school. There were so many high school, I don't need to tell you this, I'm sure you, dear listener, can remember so many of them. You've got American Pie and Superbad and, and, and Mean Girls and so many films of this era which were about going back to school and all the sort of sex and the and the the fun and the laughter and the footballs and, and all that sort of stuff. As a collective, this is something that we obsessed over. So old school in particular, though, is different in that that, that it's actual adults going back to school. And when I, when I, I want to emphasize that because this film is kind of the one where the, the characters, where the protagonists sort of represent the population at the time. We as a collective were going back to school. There's other ones like the Drew Barrymore, Never Been Kissed, and also you've got things like 21 Jump Street. And, there's, and, there's, and, and there's, there's lots of films where characters go back to school. And I think in those films in particular, we can sort of view those as representative of... Uh, the the adult population because you know not just children watch those high school movies everyone was watching everyone still watches them I still watch them now not being 18 years old and still kind of want to get back in there go to one of those parties have a good time go swimming in a pool something like that right so I, I think that's an interesting way to look at this film and if we go more specifically into the actual characters uh, being like Vince Vaughn and Will Ferrell and Luke Wilson's characters I think that those guys are kind of they do have some archetypal energy about them right and there is this sort of law of triangulation going on here as well. We've got Vince Vaughn, who's very clearly been married for quite some time, has children. Um, Leah Romini is his wife, who's who is quite an attractive woman, but she kind of has that. She was the one in King of Queens, right? She kind of has that like uh, I don't want to say like matronly quality, but she's definitely like a mother. She's definitely like lived a life, uh, and he's sort of already sort of disenchanted with uh, adulthood as a family man, and so he's he, he's sort of this pessimist of the nuclear family, and he's definitely the one pushing it from the beginning to go back there. Then in comparison that flipping the book all the way back over you've got Will Ferrell's character who's at the beginning of this film newly married and he's so you've got Vince Vaughn sort of the pessimist and Will, For- Will Ferrell is sort of like the naive optimist and his character is the one that I find particularly interesting when you when you think about the scenes that were written for him I mean there's a reason why he doesn't have tentacles and wears a crown or wears flippers like, he, like he, he's a familiar figure right for these films to work you need to make sure that the characters are relatable and that they resonate with, with the audience and, and I think What's funny about him is he kind of represents this hypothetical um, figure that I think a lot of people sort of hypothesize about all the time. He's a, is that kind of guy who probably doesn't think about life ever, doesn't really have a critical thought ever, and kind of walks into marriage because that's sort of the conventional route and, and goes in... I mean, you just need to see the movie. I don't need to really explain in great detail. But basically, he's, he's the guy that we all kind of know that sort of walks into marriage kind of thinking that you're supposed to change after the ceremony and suddenly love the idea of being monogamous and, and living with the same person for the rest of your life and living in the same house and blah, blah, blah. And he kind of has this kind of like classic Will Ferrell kind of oblivious like discovery where he's like, hang on, like I still have all those, you know, immature um, elements within me. And, and, and that's what we see in the real world. We often see 
of the husbands misbehaving and doing the wrong thing, almost because you kind of think they're a bit naive, not knowing that, well, obviously that, that, that child within you is always going to be there. It's about sort of slaying that child or taming them or putting them away or, or, or matu- that, you know, maturation is such a, a, a key part of adulthood. Uh, you can't just ignore it. And, and every single one of the films that we talk about has at least some scene in which the, 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 the two characters talk about, you know, the, the truth of the matter is no one ever grows up. You don't just become sort of a married man. You, you still have those uh, immature qualities or those, um, you know, which can be very hurtful in the people around you if, you, if you if you don't understand that probably. So I think Luke Wilson is kind of like the amalgamation of those two or at least somewhere in the, between who who understands that they, it can be depressing later in life, but also you, you don't want to remain a man-child your whole life and never actually mature. We've talked about that tension many, many times on this show. So um, I, I suppose the film, in, in a broad sense, sort of indulges this uh, or, or at least sort of like meditates on or sort of explores this um, th- this fantasy we all might have when we grow up of, well, you know, what do I do about this little boy that's still within me? Or not little boy, but like that that kind of raging teenager that's still in me. Um, but let's move on now. What What is specifically about college itself that, that has that allure? Why is it college? Why is it that specific period? Um, but before we move on to our next film, uh, just a brief uh, reminder that you are listening to Sacred Cinema with me, your host, Jimmy Bernasconi, here on 2XX 98.3 FM. Feel free to jump onto our website to consider subscribing to the station or sponsoring the show or any of 2XX's wonderful programs. Uh, and stay listening if you're listening live uh, for more quality radio programming coming right up. Uh, but we're going to move on now to Josh Radnor. People would know him from, of course, How I Met Your Mother. Uh, he was the writer and director of this 2012 uh, little indie flick called Liberal Arts. I'd actually never seen this film before until uh, it was recommended for me to watch it and do it on the show. And I really enjoyed it. I, I think that at the start, it's kind of got that very like 2010s corny dialogue. And it, like, it like, actually feels like a bit of like a How I Met Your Mother episode with a lot of sort of like the idioms and cliche dialogue. But it also, I do think, I also do think it works because this character that uh, Radnor plays, his name is Jesse. And he's sort of this, a bit like the Luke Wilson character. He's sort of in between two worlds in a sense. Uh, he, he's, he, I mean, he reminds me a lot of myself in a lot of ways. He sort of, sort of has this obsession with culture and art and and um, you know, you know, antiquated and the cla- antiquated and and classical. Um, you know, uh, you know stories and, and and going back to you know the the, the old classics and things like that. Um, but he hasn't also he's neither nor has he committed to academia. So he, he sort of he works as like a college. Um, he's like he like gets people like into the right. He's like a college like counselor or something like that. Like he helps people um, navigate. You know, which is ironic because he himself hasn't like fully navigated what he's doing as an adult. But he's he's like a guy that like connects. Like prospective students with colleges and stuff like that. so, so he clearly has an interest and in, an in, in interest and in this, this lingering connection to academia, but never fully dove into it. Uh, maybe he wasn't fully smart enough, or he didn't want to do it for financial reasons or whatever. But he is sort of in this in between. He has a great deal of respect, but that world has definitely left him behind, or he's definitely left that behind. Um, but for one, for one reason or another, he has to go back to his old college to go to this dinner that his old professor, played by Richard Jenkins, is having. And while on that trip, he meets. Elizabeth Olsen's character, who is this new undergrad at this college, 
Her name's Zibi, uh, short for Elizabeth. And I think the best way to sort of think about her or the way that we're going to talk about her today is, is that she's sort of the personification of what Jesse loves about college. So his love for her is symbolic of his love for college. And of course, you know, she's very beautiful and funny and intelligent and all those sorts of things. Um, but she's also very young and and youthful. So that that makes sense. So, so his love for college, you know, is a love for, for a younger version of himself or a feeling that he had when he was younger. And... And, you know, speaking of, you know, man, children and maturation, that sort of thing, obviously him going after her feels wrong. And I think one of the strengths of this film is how cleverly uh, and how tactfully it deals with that. Like, it it, 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 def- it doesn't just sort of go, oh, yeah, well, why can't a 35-year-old go with a 19-year-old? Like, it's a huge plot point of the film is like, well, you know, what are the ethics around this? And, and I think every time there is that tension around the ethics around going to her for love that is equivalent to or that parallels the tension and the awkwardness he would feel about going back to college. Not necessarily as a student, but 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 um, emotionally trying to transport his spirit back to the place that it was when he was at college. So so I think every time we, we see Libby doing something and, and Libby says something, that's kind of like college speaking back to uh, Jesse and, and, and sort of us feeling like, oh, it's a bit it's a bit creepy going back to her. It's a bit creepy him going back to that. And and as it's almost like you can you you you're, you're or your instincts, um, or maybe it's some kind of social condition or something, is kind of screaming at him the entire time. You know, it's time to grow up. You've done your time. You need to grow up. You need to do something with your life. Um, but I think another part of, 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 you know, Libby's allure or college's allure is this romanticization of antiquated art and antiquated um books and media and and, and, and the sort of the classics. And and so much of the allure of college, not just, you know, it's not that just everybody's young, everyone's carefree and, and, and chit-chatting. And this is something I definitely felt as well, and I still sort of feel this way a lot. But, but you feel like you're surrounded by a certain kind of sacred wisdom. And I suppose that's sort of how I feel about cinema itself, you know, the way that I feel that we can go into these films, especially old ones, the old classics, you know, like a Fellini or an Ingmar Bergman film, and feel like we're cracking into this, like, sacred stone and within it is this is this sacred goo, this ultra ultra wise goo, and, and and sort of there's these great scenes in the film where they're talking about classical music or they're talking about uh, writers and things like that. There's, there's a great sequence in this film where they're handwriting notes to each other um, about classical music and, and you know that, that that excitement enthusiasm for you know you know they, then they're saying things like oh, I can't believe this music was written by like people, mere human beings wrote these amazing uh, overtures and, and symphonies, symphonies and things like that. Uh, and, th- and I found that very, re- that resonated very deeply with me because I, I do have that same feeling. When you listen to a Wagner overture, you do find it, feel this sort of this immense sense of, of you know, human genius and oh, oh my goodness, I'm so lucky to be accessing uh, so much um, ingenuity and that sort of thing. So I think that's also the appeal of college and, and going to university and going back to that is that, that you almost feel like you're missing out on, on, on you know, you know that same feeling where you, you go into a bookshop or you look at a library and think oh man imagine if i like imagine if i die without reading all these things think about you know, it's, it's almost like almost like a materialistic or consumeristic capitalistic thing it's like i must have all of the the the, the chunks of wisdom that is held between uh you know within these bookshelves and and that's something they definitely steer into and there's, and there's a great scene as well where they're going back and forth about um a, a um 
a vampire book, which is obviously meant to be like a, you know, Stephanie Myers. They're very clever in this film not to name any names or books or anything like that, but they're going back and forth about because Libby really likes this. Uh, sorry, Zibby really likes this uh, vampire book and he goes and reads it and he's like, this is trash. And she's like, well, what makes it trash to you? And, and obviously listeners of the show know how I feel about that sort of thing. I mean, I feel like we can pull things out from any piece of art to try and uh, gain some wisdom uh, depending on our own specific context and that sort of thing. Uh, and that's not really what Jesse he thinks about the whole thing but but we, we're definitely diving deep into this this territory of how do we get as much as we can out of art out of the media out of the geniuses um, that that have brought so much to the table over the years and th- th- there's I think th- there's a really good scene uh, or a really good character played by Alison Janey that kind of shows the limitations of this. So throughout the film, she's sort of this ghost who kind of walks through. Also, I got to give props to, I got to give credit to Radnor. He has all these really cool little characters. Like there's a Zac Efron character that's kind of like a little bit of like a ghost, another kind of spirit walking through the film. And he, and he actually, I don't like the line where he says, I'm not even sure if you're real. I think that was kind of like implied that he is this kind of like, um, caricaturistic like elf of university land he's like this ultra hipster dude that kind of has this very opening I, I kind of like that kind of guiding um, you know it's like Alice in Wonderland with the rabbit guy like I, I like that there's a lot of those sort of drifting mystical figures in this film which I which I think was kind of cool um, but the, the Alice and Janie character she's like this uh, professor that, that Jesse used to have back in the day and he finally is able to have a drink with her and, and connects with her and it's kind of like that moment where you know when you know don't ever meet your heroes kid moment where you kind of realize that there are actually limitations to the greats all people have their own uh, specific limitations and all books have their limitations i mean there's a finite amount of wisdom that can actually be contained within anything or at least it gets to a point where there was only so much wisdom a person intended to contain and 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 and, that, and that's why i bring up that that tension in the stephanie myers vampire book thing and, and give my own take on that because as we've talked about a lot of this show it does there's a point at which the reader starts taking control. There's a point at which the, the 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 audience actually becomes the author and starts finding meaning for themselves. And we get to this point, I'm going to give away the ending of this film, so if you're going to go watch it, maybe don't listen to this next part. But we get to this film where this part in the film where Jesse starts to realize that that life itself is almost like a piece of art. He doesn't actually say that explicitly, but he kind of puts the books down. And he starts to say, you know, the the experiences one has, you know, the the sense of love one might feel for another person, that in and of itself is just as immense as listening to a fantastic, uh, famous overture. That, that, you know, part of why college is so great is that it spoon-feeds us all this wisdom and it sort of introduces us to all the, you know, the wisdom that might be out there, introduces us to the concept of wisdom and, and all these great things that might be out there. But but if we actually have the right perspective and we do the work and we put the, our own effort in, if we sort of become the teachers, as it were, uh, for ourselves, we can actually learn from the Brooklyn Bridge, learn from the Manhattan skyline, from the relationships we have with someone in a coffee shop. And that that, 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 that love for life can re- be returned to us. Um, uh, but that, that's all well and good. But I think part of this conversation also uh, needs to take into consideration that that's also well and good while you're young and you're you know you're, you're still learning about yourself and you're still you know, he, you know he's like 30 
five. You're still fairly young. What happens when you get old and crusty and the world doesn't really smile upon you anymore? You know, you can only be so optimistic, right? Well, at this point, we're going to move on to Brad's status, the final film for today's discussion. It's directed by Mike White from 2017. And the basic premise of this one is Ben Stiller is like this gray-headed uh, father of like a 17-year-old boy and he's taking him on tour of the East Coast, you know, the Boston, New England universities because he's about to go to university. And uh, obviously you can pick from the title, a big part of this film is Brad's status. So while he does, you know, go back to college as it were in this film uh, as well, like in all the other films, a big part of this is him reflecting on who he is now in life. Uh, he's definitely made his choices. He's definitely picked a path. And a big part is he has these sort of imaginings of all, well, the, all the other guys that he was at college with back in the day, where all that, they're all that now. And he was, a, he went, I think he went to Tufts and they all, they all went up and made lots of money and they're all famous and they go to big parties and all that sort of thing. And he sort of runs this like NGO with his nice wife played by Jenna Fisher, who's Pam in the office. Uh, perfect casting. And they have a nice enough house, but they don't have these big raging parties and the wear beautiful Richard Branson kind of clothes and that sort of thing. So, so throughout the film, he's coming to terms with him not really achieving as much as every all of his... Um, his uh, contemporaries back in the day and he's trying to impart wisdom on his son and, and he's got this 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 sort of this blank canvas boy that he can push in a direction and, and, and essentially that um, that that it's symbol symbolic of you know if he could go back in time and he actually gets asked this by one of the characters would he do things differently would he push his son in a different direction to the one that he went to uh, and again we it lifts up all these ideas of the excitement of youth and college is this this you know this haven of excitement and youth and and the same way that liberal arts goes into sort of you know the beauty of young women at college and you know how they're all beautiful and young and they're like talking about concepts and staying up all night and chatting about philosophy there's a couple of girls in this film that do that and it gets again it gets a little bit creepy i mean it, this film really does simply pick up where liberal arts, liberal arts um, gets off in, in a lot of ways uh and he talks about you know the deep conversations and how alluring that is and, and how great that was and it reminds him of you know there's a great bit where one of the young girls is um kind of shape shifts into Jenna Fisher's character and he's and there's this sort of this almost like this sense of sadness that like you, you knew that his, his the people in his life have the capacity and the intelligence and the, and the brains to be you know as smart or as insightful or as curious as a young college student but people sort of just sort of give up and I guess you know going back to what we just said in liberal arts you know it is you know the onus is suddenly on you when you leave to kind of make your own excitement to to kind of I guess to make your own fun as well you know like like it's, it's not being spoon fed to you and he, and he kind of laments the fact that Jenna Fisher's character hasn't really kept that up and you know why should she um and and and, 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 and actually on that I think it's really important to mention you know all these characters are men and I watched this with my girlfriend and she was so much more frustrated than I was in this and I think a big part of it is this sort of like very solipsistic very ego I think it is quite a masculine trait this sort of like ego obsession with like oh woe is me like I I like oh my goodness like how good did I have it uh, what a shame I didn't make it. And, and like there's, there's almost like a like a there's like a frustrating element of this film it's like like can you can you wake up your, your poor wife is such a perfect person and you keep sort of whinging and moaning about how oh she's not this young 20 year old like she's pretty much raised your son for herself like I think you're meant to feel quite a you know I don't feel bad if you get frustrated and, and aggressive when you watch this film but also I, I, I as bad as a person I am I, I, I mean being the bad person I am I also kind of did feel a bit empathetic for him despite the fact that he, he is this this sort of like spineless um, kind of like in self-indulgent uh, creep in so many ways in this film uh, but what what 
what what sort of apart from him just being older than like Josh Radnor's character in Liberal Arts, he's also a father. So we have this necessity that's lifted up in this film, which is the necessity to love and care for other people. It's, it's not just you know the you show. You can't just be solipsistic. You have there are children, there are other people. So so how can we marry all this together? This sort of sense of woe that we might have in leaving our youth behind, the wonder of youth behind. All the while we do need to be compassionate and care for other people. Well, let's let's strip it back, right? We, we let's accept that there is an allure to youth. Let's not deny that. The population throughout the early 2000s felt that. We all felt that. But let's not forget that there is a sort of limitlessness to life, okay? That, that, that feeling of freedom that we had when we were young, we can still feel that. If we choose to sort of be um, wide-eyed enough, if we if we choose to be active in, 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 in attacking the world and looking outside and, 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 and actually putting the onus on ourselves to stimulate us. In another way, I think another way of putting this is saying that, that maybe a, a beneficial way to, to cure uh, that, that, that sense of lament we have when we think back to you know, our, those old times is to think, as, to think of life as something that, that doesn't happen to us, right? We're not just like the only players. Life doesn't happen to us. Um, life is something that we observe, right? Um, in the words of Ben Stiller's characters in the character in this film, life is something that we need to learn to love, right? It needs to be something that when we look at it, we we react to it in a way where we actually feel positively towards it. We look outside and say, that's something that I can appreciate, right? That's something that I can care for. And also in doing that, that's something that we can learn from. And if we gain knowledge about life, if we can learn from it, if we can look at something and observe it and gain knowledge about it, right? That's something that we can teach others. And in that way, we make life, we make the world like one big college. But we're no longer the students, but the teachers. And we're true teachers. We don't just do it for money. We do it to make the world a better place, to make the world better for the ones that we love. Well, that's all we've got time for this week on Sacred Cinema here on 2XX 98.3 FM. I've been your host, Jimmy Bernasconi, and stay tuned for more quality radio programming coming up here on People Powered Radio 2XX FM. Uh, but if you're on our website, consider subscribing to the station if you're not a subscriber already. Consider sponsoring the show or any of 2XX's wonderful programs. Uh, but until next time, please get in touch, find me on the socials, and we'll see you again very, very soon. <laughs>